Welcome to Flowing Backwards, a podcast by me, Phil Peak, and him, Ian Four Candles Moss. He does all the talking, and I do all the work. So, um, this week we're going to talk about love, romance, football, and musical taste, and also how others perceived him as weird. I wonder where they got that from. Anyway, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello from down here. We are sinking lower and lower beneath Stockport on our journey to the centre of the earth, or at least to the centre of the heart of the matter, which is my um, conflicted and twisted mind. Once again, I am going to start with a poem. The title of this episode, which is episode three, is Love and romance. Okay, this is a poem about loneliness and homelessness, which go hand in hand. When you fall through the hole in the safety net, and there is no one there waiting to catch you, you hit the floor with a crash, and you are left with multiple fractures. There is a cycle of poverty that has lasted for generation upon generation. There seems no way to break the chain of social deprivation. Surviving, striving, dreaming of escape, but dying is the only way out of this place. No house with no money. No job if you have no address. The conundrum sounds funny, but laughter comes less and less and less. Lots of sitting on park benches, lots of walking with no particular place to go. Sleeping in hovels where the stench is and reeling from the blows. Surviving, striving, Dreaming of escape, but dying is the usual way you get out of this place. The loneliest place in the world is the street for the invisible who are ignored. They are the chaff in fields of wheat, discarded, put to the sword. Uh, there you go. That's... um one that I wrote earlier this week and um, after that we'll get back to um, my kind of sonic adventures in this um, tale of um, confusion which is um, my autobiography in my own words I suppose. I'm now aged 12, 13, 14 
increasingly I am being treated as and called a weirdo. Why that is, is in the early 70s, things are very, very tribal. And so you have um, three main tribes in my age group, you know, um, there is predominantly the kind of grown-out, skinhead, haircutted smoothies or suede heads in their crombies and tonics, sheepskin jackets, brogues and Ben Sherman shirts. Uh, there are also kind of long-haired uh, pretend hippies in loom pants and beaded uh, round-necked t-shirts with stinking uh, army surplus great coats and even stinkier afghan coats which i think were made from dogs the third tribe which um wasn't particularly prevalent uh, although there were a lot on the street where i lived strangely enough were greasers perhaps the I don't know, I'd really never liked greasers. They didn't like me. I always thought that they were such fakes. They were underneath this um, mask of rebellion. They were the biggest conformists of the lot. And I didn't fit into any of those things. I was something of a peacock. As soon as um, I was allowed to make my own sartorial choices and given money to... Um, to go and purchase items of clothing, I would head um, not to the local shops um, to stolen with either, etc., where my friends bought their clothes, but I would go into Manchester to New Brown Street, where the Arndale Centre, the horrible Arndale Centre, now sits atop of where there are these independent boutiques, and I would buy um, clothes that were nice that i liked a lot you would find me um feather cutted and wearing i remember i had this um cream and brown budgie jacket and i used to wear these uh, impossibly tight trousers which um used to trousers bear in mind not jeans i used to wear these incredibly tight trousers that um seem to excite certain people, and these uh, bright red court shoes. I caught a, a, a dashing figure. Uh, people didn't like it. I remember going to see Emerson, Lake and Palmer at the Hard Rock, and I'd uh, applied a dash of glitter to my cheekbones. I had cheekbones in those days. And um, the long hairs were hissing. Who were much older, five, six, seven, eight years older than me, hissing and shouting abuse at at, at me so affronted were they and uh i was uh, everybody was affronted by me that was that was uh that was odd i always found myself in a very lonely place i remember being at the youth club and um a gang of five or six older boys four or five years older than me some of them had scooters with engines i was barely off my push scooter and they um bundled me from the youth club up the road and beat me up and left me bloodied in these privets you know um i, I posed a threat to people just by being and where is there to go except into yourself into your own mind when 
when that is the case. At the time, all that there was was music and, to a lesser extent, football. So, uh, by, by this point, this was the only period, probably, that John Peel had um, an effect on me, you know, because I would listen to Peel's programme to pick up on the more uh, esoteric musics that he would play occasionally because I found that, generally speaking, I didn't like the music that my peers liked. I, I was liking less and less the sort of chart fodder and even my more alternative friends like bands like Led Zeppelin and Deep Purple and Yes, who I didn't think were absolutely terrible, but I just thought they were uninspiring. And the fact that the singers all sounded like hysterical women, I found really off-putting, particularly Led Zeppelin's singer, who had this habit of making these ridiculous sex noises in in his songs. And uh, against the other big band who my friends liked were Pink Floyd, who simply bored me to tears. So I was in the search for uh, wilder things that I could relate to that meant something to my life. And that's how I came across bands like the Pink Fairies. And so we're going to listen to the Pink Fairies. Do it!
There we go, from Labrook Grove, the Pink Fairies. The Pink Fairies were one of a number of bands from that region, although at the time I didn't realise that. Um, you sort of joined the dots later on and noticed that members of the Pink Fairies were also members of the Deviants and Hawkwind, and you know, and there's there's this whole thing going on. And these bands are the most interesting bands. They're um, and, and they're much derided. The music press was a great institution at the time, and, and like everybody else, I uh, devoured it avidly. But these sort of bands were very marginal, even in the music press, and not particularly um, appreciated. Uh, it's the more corporate, big-selling, big act that they concentrated on although they pretended uh, that that was you know that it was different that they were that they were exploring avenues of great artistic integrity taking everything very seriously you know these uh, horrible idiotic bands simply stealing pages of, of Tolkien and um squealing these these words over riffs they'd stolen from howling wolf you know and, and that was considered to be art it it certainly wasn't it was it was a hideous state of affairs that was making me very very lonely so romance that's what we were going to talk about isn't it um my first hint of action uh, had happened when I was 12 years old on holiday uh, in, in a cafeteria, a sort of nighttime cafeteria for, for the younger children. And um, to the sound of Diana Ross's I'm Still Waiting, a big girl from Sunderland had, had, had forced me to, um, to smooch with her and then taken me outside and snogged me for the first time and she had had breasts and she'd put my hands on her breasts I was completely bewildered and uh, a little bit frightened by it all it, it it was strange because she she I was 12 and she was 15 and she insisted that we then conduct a um a romance through letters which didn't last very long because she wrote me these letters professing her ardour to me and I wrote letters back um, telling her about watching Dennis Law on Saturday um, so it didn't go very far that I didn't um, I really struggled you know because because when when you are constantly derided as being strange and weird it doesn't fill you with confidence and so instigating um matters of the heart was very difficult for me uh, i i kind of had to be um it had to come from the other direction and so there were there were occasional little dalliances um but but it was it was all seemed no good i remember being at a party and um and it was and the lights went out and this girl who um she was a, a dark haired beautiful little thing and um she she kind of uh took me took me to places that i'd never been before she was a much more experienced 
than than I was. And then as the lights came up and we 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 kind of uh, straightened our attire and and things, I, I felt it was almost my duty then to uh, you know to advocate that I be her boyfriend. And and she practically fell over in shock. And she said, "Look, I really like you." You know, obviously I, I, I do, but I couldn't go out with you because you're too weird. What would my friends say? It wasn't good. It, it, it wasn't good. I was very, very lonely. All I had was my music. And and as I say, I was I was looking more and more to in the regions of exciting interest in music and I didn't think there was much more exciting and interesting than the Edgar Broughton band they were a band who my friends knew of but all they knew basically was they, they could chant along go out demons out out demons out which of course was um ripped off from the fugs in the first place who more of in a later episode perhaps but the, but they didn't really know edgar broughton none of them had edgar broughton records they all had um yes led zeppelin oh god um so anyway um i began um I began to love Edgar Broughton. I still love Edgar Broughton. Uh, a little anecdote from kind of later, when at age 15, when I was being sent out for job interviews, on and I'd, I'd kind of get nominally scrubbed up and dressed up for these interviews. But on my lapel, I would attach an Edgar Broughton band badge as a warning to any prospective employers that, you know, I was a weirdo. Uh, I liked Edgar Broughton. So this is Edgar Broughton melding Captain Beefheart and the Shadows. This is Apache Dropout. <laughs>
As I say, my my other thing apart from music was football. And I was a good footballer. Um, there's no point pretending I wasn't. Um, I was affiliated to Stockport County FC, um, who were not, not a joke side by any means at that time. Uh, indeed, it wasn't that much long after than they'd had Georgie Best and Mike Summerby turning out for them. Anyway, I would be at Stockport County training there and turning out in the A team and the B team, but it was disillusioning because I suppose I dreamt of being a footballer and the reality of this professional football club wasn't tallying with my illusion. We were placed uh, in the hands of a pair of coaches, um, one of whom seemed terribly old and at death's door who chain-smoked Benson and Hedges and simply grunted at us. And then the other one, a kind of a slimy pervert, uh, a scruffy slimy pervert with buck teeth, who tried to ingratiate himself with us young lads by plying us with beer, which, while gratefully received, I knew was not the way um, to achieve sporting excellence. Um, We were also encouraged to uh, notify these people if we picked up any knocks while, while playing football. So you'd go along and say, you know, I've turned my ankle at weekend, and immediately they would say, take your shorts down then. It was 
horrible. It's horrible. I eventually got sacked for um, jumping on the car bonnet of the bucktooth pervert's car and smearing his windscreen with mud while I screamed abuse at him. And um, as I say, I was losing um, losing my love for football through things like that. I was also at the same time there was a kind of tug of war between these and my school football team because the the school who uh, who generally didn't like me had decided that um because I was good at football I was I was somehow worthwhile all of a sudden and I'd come to an arrangement with the the teacher who ran the football team Nick Longos who Nick was fine Nick was really good and he understood my kind of conundrum that I didn't particularly want to play for the school football team I wanted to play where I wanted to play and who for and he said look you can't do that but I will accommodate you the best I can and in games that we should win you don't have to play you can go and play for other teams so that was fine unfortunately the headmaster got wind of this after he took particular attention because they, um i do digress but um every year there was a, a uh, teachers v lads game and the teachers had won every single year the school had opened and then i played in this game against the teachers and we the boys won three one and i scored two and at one point, I sat the headmaster on his ass, and uh, he was very, he was very pleased with it um, because because he thought uh, he, th- he thought I had the potential to go on and and be something as a footballer, and the school would uh, be granted some reflected glory. Anyway, he got wind that Nick Longos was letting me play for somebody else, and he, uh, in a fury of apocalyptic proportions he was going purple in his face before the full school called me out in the school assembly and uh, threatened to take me before the football association and have me banned from playing football for life banned sign die was the uh, expression no wonder i stopped uh, loving football but i'm going to collect my thoughts i'm going to play a, a record for you but one of my very favorite bands at the time who were uh, who stuck out like a sore thumb because they sounded like nobody they were so incredible and they looked so dim where where led zeppelin and and yes and pink floyd all look like big girls um this is family and they look like men uh, which was fascinating so this is family and the weaver's answer let me look and see The pattern of my life gone by Shown on your
as I became a man Edit or untold blends as I guess for a hen Put your golden needle so it's red Virginia white As long as we embrace this war Sort. Um, I was 
precocious in the fact that I was confident enough by the time I was 13 to go wandering into public houses and even though I didn't look 18 and I carried enough swagger that I could walk to the bar and order myself a pint of mild because that was the cheapest and get served and drink in pubs which um which I really liked and I really liked the taste of beer and you know my my school uh, chums were fascinated by by this and and it gave me a kind of celebrity anyway Somewhere along the line, a snake appeared in our midst, and it was a guy called Peter who um, appeared from uh, after being released from an approved school. Anyway, he knew, certainly knew his psychology and how to press buttons, and he pressed mine by saying to me, you know, you go in pubs, don't you? And I said, yeah, yeah. And he said... Have you ever been to town, you know, to Manchester? You know, I was 13. No, no, I haven't. He said, well, why don't you come to town with me and we can have drinks bought for us all night? So I rose to the challenge and I met him that night, dressed up to the nines like a dog's dinner, uh, which... Is, is exactly what I was to be. And he took me to Manchester. He took me to a place on Oxford Road called the Long Bar, which was situated between a amusement arcade and a large underground uh, latrine. And the proximity of these things was not coincidental. This was a hangout for uh, rent boys and uh, prowling homosexual males. So I was in the long bar, and sure enough, there was no shortage of men coming over, buying us drinks, not pints of mild either, lager and lime, I'll have you know, which was um, a, a huge step up, uh, both financially and kind of for my, for my self-esteem. I felt quite the man as I talked to these uh, poor wretches, some of whom had been stabbed by irate punters in, in the toilets. And, and I still didn't quite get what was going on, such was my naivety. Anyway, we, we moved and we went to the Union at the bottom of Canal Street, um, where we met... Um, a couple of couple of men, probably in the thirties, who treated us to more drinks. And then, as the bar closed, they said, "We're going to a club." Thirteen going to a nightclub. A nightclub, unbelievable. I had to at least try it. I knew I shouldn't. I knew I should go home at that point. I was already late, but a nightclub. So we went to a club that was called the Queen's Club. It was a knock on the door and this grill was pulled open where we were surveyed and nodded in. And we went upstairs and it was something like out of Twin Peaks. It was red, red velvet and it was dim. And I remember um, they were playing um, Johnny, Johnny Nash's I Can See Clearly Now. And... I um I but took the courage to go and dance with this this woman on the dance floor. We were the only people on the dance floor. And at the end of the dance she kissed me. It took me years to realise that she was a man. And then 
as I left the dance floor, I, I realised how late it was and I was already in incredible trouble. I had to get home, but now I needed the fare for a late night bus. I needed 50p. And so I asked one of these men, would you please lend me 50p so I can go home? This weakness, this need emboldened them and they uh, carried out a sexual assault on me before giving me the 50p to go home. Um, it didn't do much for my um, self-confidence, my self-esteem and it certainly gave me a low opinion of uh what a homosexual man was and sent me I suppose because I ended up finding out that I'm, I'm myself a homosexual man sent me scurrying to the deepest recesses of my closet where I stayed unhappily for uh, many years anyway back to music <laughs> once again my escape uh, romance is going nowhere sex is certainly going nowhere um Football's going nowhere. What I need is some noise. What I need is the groundhogs. What I need is cherry red from Split. <laughs> Shit. 
at, at this time, another uh, string to my uh, bow appeared, or another arrow appeared, if you like, in that my younger brother, um, who had always been precocious um, and intelligent, um, turned his attention to music. And he was also very organised with his spends, and he started buying records but he would research what he was buying he would read up and find things that he thought were interesting he wasn't he would take the step of ordering things from shops or from mail order and soon he was fetching in records incredibly advanced for an for an 11 year old you know he, he was buying Pearls before swine albums and incredible string albums. Eleven. I remember coming in one day and we and we'd both liked uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer quite a lot. And he'd got, he'd purchased King Crimson's first album, you know, because Greg Lake had sung and produced that album. And, and I remember him coming in and he was saying, "You've got to hear this. It's even better." than Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Indeed, it was and is. Um, it, was, it was fabulous. So all of a sudden, um, I'm getting... It's, it's like a two-pronged attack. You know, my brother's coming home with all these great records um, that are educating me, and he's also taking um, a leaf out of my book and liking things that that I like. Um, so so one of the things that he bought, one of the first things that he ever bought as an 11-year-old was a, uh, a compilation album of the early mother's invention. Um, Frank Zappa entered our, our orbit in suburban Manchester. Um, and I don't, I don't suppose things are ever the change once, once Frank gets a grip on you. And those early mother's records were absolutely a revelation. He's hippie baiting, I absolutely loved, and he's straight baiting, I absolutely loved. I loved his wit. I loved his sarcasm. I loved his sharpness. And this was the song that I absolutely loved that I used to walk around singing and singing. And it's, what's the ugliest part of your body? And it's Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention. What's the ugliest part of your body? What's the ugliest part of your body? Some say your nose, some say your toes. I think it's your mind, your mind. I think it's your mind. Children are poor, unfortunate victims of systems beyond their control. A plague upon your ignorance, to the great despair of your ugly life. Where did Annie go when she went to town? Who are all those creeps that she brings around? All your children are poor, unfortunate victims of lies you believe. A plague upon your ignorance that keeps the young from the truth they deserve. Okay, that's 
pretty much it for this week because I don't want to uh, overburden you with um, with my ramblings and musings, etc. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll warn you or preview next week's um, edition. So we will talk about um, my first forays into watching bands live um, next week, which was exciting and usually revealing that how easy it was to go and see these people who I admired in the flesh, how affordable it was in those days, and what fun it was. Anyway, that's that. That's next week. Right now, I've got to somehow... Um, the walls are caving in down here, uh, but I can see... Uh, uh, an edge that if I can lasso I will be able to climb up a rope and get myself onto the surface and um, uh, that achieved I will be back here next week with my very good friend Phil although he may have to stay here because he's not as nimble as I am okay <laughs> bye for now <laughs> Well, thank you for that. It was rather amusing, because if you know me and you know Ian, then you know that neither of us are that, um, that slightly built. So, as for being agile and getting through a crack in the wall, well, dream on, Mr Moss. So, thank you very much for listening. Um, we'll be back next week with another instalment of The Life of Mr Moss. So, you can contact us on Flow Backwards on Facebook, or you can go on, on www.flowingbackwards.co.uk. Give us a question, we may even answer it next episode. So, thank you very much, and good night. <laughs>